Blog Talk Radio. For all the news you need to know, welcome to the Beautiful Butterfly Show, where great people and great topics are brought together for stimulating and thought-provoking conversation brought to you by the Vibration Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. Welcome to another episode of the Beautiful Butterfly Show, brought to you by AYRN 1328, which means you're listening to a show that is being listened to worldwide, you guys. So, of course, uh, today we are in store for another uh, special treat. Uh, This evening, you guys, we're going to welcome Arthur Brian Thompson, and he is coming on uh, to talk about um, his book, Champion Immortal, <coughs> excuse me, uh, which comes from um, his Reject High series, uh, science fiction, actually, uh, teen series that he's created. So he's been on here uh, several times in the past. And so uh, tonight he's going to be sharing with us this new and exciting book, and he's going to let you guys know where you can purchase it and answer any questions that you may have for him and all of those great things. So, of course, feel free to call in at any time. The number is 347-326-9139 is the number. Uh, we're going to take a little commercial, pay a few bills, and we're going to come back and welcome our special guest um, of the evening. Well, I see our, our switchboard is not acting properly, but nevertheless, it's all good, you guys. And, of course, we're going to bring our special guest of the hour on here. Brian, you there? I'm here. How are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to be back and, um, you know, to talk about my my book and, you know, us for having a conversation. And I'm honored as being one of the few or if the only uh, science fiction person that you interviewed we talked about that last time yes yes absolutely i was i think last time i was telling uh the listeners uh brian is actually one of the first uh science fiction authors that i've actually took a chance and and read his books uh before i wasn't quite sure how i would enjoy them but they are actually very good books uh that he puts out and so forth and of course um this time around um, you have uh, created, and in the past you've created um, several, seven novels um, to the Reject High series. And so for the folks out there who may not be familiar with the Reject High series, tell them a little bit about what and how the Reject High series was created. Okay. Well, uh, I have a author friend. Her name is Jackie, and she sat down one day. We were meeting um, often 
do on Tuesday afternoons, and she said uh, a couple of the first few lines of Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief. So I was hooked on that. That's a uh, YA fantasy series has to do with Greek mythology, which I love. And from there, I read through the all five of the novels uh, all the way to the end. And then I thought to myself, I don't have any characters, many characters in this series that look like me. So that made me think that there are readers out there who had the same thing. So my dad said to me, he was like, yeah, you know what you do, need to do is uh, to get together and just put together a series. So that started me getting thinking about writing a series and then writing a teen series that had to do with people of color. Uh, I love the lightning thief and everything, Rick Riordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things mm-hmm. that I had about it was that I needed to see people who look like me in order to relate to it. So I figured since that happened, maybe I can come up with a hero, and that's where Jason Champion came from. Not a conventional hero in the sense that he's a teenager, but on top of that, he has I want to say a mental illness, he, he has raised blackouts, so which becomes a problem because he and his friend Rhapsody, who's got body image issues, find a crystal in the bottom of their alternative school, which they're kicked out of the regular school because of misbehavior. And during what's called dungeon duty, it's a detention, they find this crystal that gives them these powers that they wear. And the powers are sort of linked to a flaw in their personality. Rhapsody always feels invisible, so her ability is to turn invisible, and Jason feels powerless through some things that happened to him in his life, so he's got super strength and the ability to jump long distances, and that's really where it started with those two, and I build on it from there. You need some other characters, some of their friends, get a hold of these crystals, so they're enemies, so they're fighting this battle between becoming what they want to consider normal teenagers and navigating what it's like to have these powers and what do you actually do with them once you have them. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, for this book, because I know a lot of times for people's first question is, Brian, how did you get involved? Because we, and we've discussed this before, not too many African, right. especially African male authors, delve into sci-fi. So what was it for you about sci-fi that, you know, pulled you in and, and made you say, you know, I'm going to create some stories with it? I think it's always the possibility of doing something beyond the hum, regular human experience. I, I think it's the appeal that this character can do something and fly, can uh, run amazing distances or can pass through walls or can replicate themselves. It's something beyond what it our human ability is to do. So, for example, one of my favorite novels is 1984, um, and I – love that book, and I'm being interested in uh, science fiction, Phil K. Dick, uh, you know, so many other different authors. I think that's what it appeals to me. That also, and the fact that, like, just like you said, there aren't many uh, African-American men that journey into science fiction, so the fact that there weren't many made me want to be one of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and one of the great things I think is that it also opens the gateway for young readers and young authors who enjoy sci-fi, you know, to kind of 
broaden their horizons and also let them know, okay, this is a field that I can go into and write about as well. Um, Because the thing about it is that oftentimes if we don't see, you know, sometimes if we don't see other people doing stuff, we often go, well, maybe that's not going to, you know, pan out right or or not go the right direction. And so for you, were you kind of skeptical at first about stepping out there um, and, and delving into this genre? A little bit, I think, because there's always the the counterthought to, oh, well, there's nobody who's done this before. I can do it. The counterthought to that is nobody who looks like me is doing this because it's not successful, and I, neither, and I won't be successful either. So I think, at least for me as an artist, as a writer, you always have that trepidation that nobody will like you once you put it out there. So it's a fear that you would you know, initially have to get over. And I, I'll just be honest with my first novel, I was really, really nervous about that. And then once you get uh, into the game a little bit, it, it I, I guess it gets me more comfortable. You, you grow a thicker skin uh, just in case the critical response isn't quite what you want it to be. But mm-hmm. I, I think over time, you get used to it, you get used to the criticism, and you use it for growth more so than people, I guess you could say, hating on you or uh, disliking what it is you write. You can't please everybody. You don't have an audience of everybody, but I feel if you can find a niche audience, somebody who really enjoys your work and give them what they want, then uh, you'll always be successful. Absolutely, absolutely. And, of course, um, and I see that your interaction on social media uh, with your with your uh, supporters and fans, and you're always getting uh, interesting names for your characters and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so how much of your actual stories, uh, some of the characters are based off of actual people, if any? That's a good question. I want to be careful just in case somebody's listening and they think that I'm fictionalizing. <laughs> I always think they're funny. My my wife is probably the only one who could point to somebody and say, yeah, you got that from this person. I like to make composite characters so where as there won't be somebody necessarily who's exactly like that person, they'll be somewhat like that person. But there are rare instances like uh, Deborah in Reject High. She's the stepmother of Jason, and she raises him. That's based off of my real-life stepmother because I told her, when I created her, the character, I was like, I want to name this character after you because you're the only person I know on the planet who would willingly accept a child who has raised blackouts <laughs> into your house. And she laughed because she knows it's true. Um, right. But besides yeah. that, they're, I would say they're inspired by um, people that have been in my life. Rhapsody is inspired by one of my old students, Christine. Uh, Jason is just, Jason, um, the people that know I based the character off of them or close to them know that. And uh, one of my friends is kind of like a mentor to me. Uh, his name is Jeff. He's uh, Jeff Peters in the novel. And I told him, I think, one of the other novels or even this one, I was like, okay, something's going to happen to him, to you. Are you okay? <laughs> and he was fine with it. He's <laughs> read all the Reject High novels. So. Uh, I even based one off of my dad. Um, he is Solomon um, in books two, three, and four. And he said, look, if you kill me, I don't care as long as I go down and blaze with glory. So um, 
I was happy to have that that release because you know you don't want something something or somebody named after your dad right. to turn out the way right. like it. But <laughs> I, I try to get involvement. I think I read someplace as a uh, as a strategy is when you're marketing to get your audience involved is you know get a name your character um, contest mm-hmm. which you've seen me do several times on social media. You have that, and I try to stay away from naming characters after people because you know people have. Um, People get me sensitive, and if I do something with the character that they don't like, they're like, why did you do that? So um, I, I try to keep it as general as possible. Absolutely. And, and for you, um, who is the most exciting um, ca- character for you to have written about thus far throughout the series? Who is one that you really got into that character uh, and, and the, all the characteristics about them? I would say Fighting Rhapsody was the most fun only because of her personality. She's a fairly sarcastic person, and my wife will tell you I'm a, I have elements of sarcasm in my humor, so with her I just let it fly. Um, I, would, I would just have her make a comment and not apologize for it. So she was the most fun to write, at least from a dialogue standpoint. From an action standpoint, I would like to thank Jason only because – he has super strength, so he gets to hit things. So I think, you know, it's exciting to write that somebody with super strength doing these incredibly fantastic things, um, jumping long distances, lifting things that are um, impossible for regular humans to lift. So from an action standpoint, Jason, and from a dialogue standpoint, Rhapsody, those are the most fun. Wow. And so for you um, going through this, a lot of times when people think about um, uh, sci-fi, everybody else always have these different thought processes. And so for you mm-hmm. uh, going around and talking to people, what do people normally think sci-fi has to do with? It's so broad, Bianca. It's like you have, you have sci-fi even when you categorize your novel when you publish it on different platforms they ask you is this regular general science fiction or is it steampunk science fiction or is it time travel science fiction western science fiction there are so many different subgenres that I can understand how it gets confusing generally when people see Rita Kai and they say it's a sci-fi series it, it, it's sci-fi and some people say it's urban fantasy and then some people say it's sci-fi, urban fantasy, and uh, things of that nature. So I think if you don't regularly read sci-fi, you just kind of take a wait-and-see approach to see what what it's about, what uh, genre it falls into, because there are some people who just, prior to me, you know, when we were talking, just don't do sci-fi for whatever reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Because sci-fi can mean, oh, we're going to different planets, people with green skin and doing things I've never <laughs> seen that I don't care about. Right. Could be that. Right. Could be in the 1800s, which you may not be interested in. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could be time travel, which I've written once and I don't think I'll do again. It's very complicated because there are time travel rules in science fiction, but then you can bend them and oh. then you, you got to make sure that you just don't confuse your reader. Um, mm-hmm. And I found that very difficult to do. Um, I enjoyed it for the time, but then I started thinking to myself, uh, you know, the complexity just got me to a loop. So, um, again, for the folks who aren't used to it, I 
they just take like a wait and see approach or they just kind of shun it all together. Um, so I hope that through a teen series, they can see that, you know, science fiction doesn't always have to be something that you shun. It can be something that you welcome and get used to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and going out and marketing, because of course, Trying to market anything new and different to folks can be <laughs> can be difficult right. sometimes. And so, for you, um, how do you go about as far as marketing? Because, like it said, like we were talking about me going back to the show with me. You know, I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure about the sci-fi thing. And so, you right. have a lot of people who are in that position. Like, I'm, I'm not too sure if I'll enjoy this or whatnot. So how do you go about marketing it to people, um, you know, to get people to actually read it and, 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 you know, get that different perspective? I think the, the first thing for me is um, if, if you're talking strictly word of mouth, which, you, you know, everybody wants to get uh, one way to get positive word of mouth is to get reviews on Amazon, which is incredibly tricky to do. But, what I have found successful in the past is soliciting book bloggers and book bloggers are very specific about what they read and what they don't read. So Mm -hmm. one thing that I try to do is um, I get on shows like yours um, and I get on book bloggers to review my book and to say, to give me an honest opinion. Now, when you do that, like we were talking about before, you have to have a thick skin. Mm -hmm. They may love it. They may hate it. And then once they love it or hate it, a star rating on Amazon. So I feel like there has to be a confidence in your work that exists prior to when you actually put it out there, which is why I know a lot of people who don't put it out there. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's part of it because people go on Amazon, they look at the stars, they look at the rating. If they're like right. me, they look at the highest rating. They look at the lowest rating. Right. Um, right. If they're more low ratings, high ratings, and I kind of want to know what went on because, you know, people's time is precious and they don't want to spend their time reading something that they don't like. So that's part of it. Another another part is, um, and there's an element of luck to it. And I say that because there was um, there was a novel that I had, The Anarchist, a couple of years ago, the time travel novel I was talking about. And then out of the blue, there's a book club not too far from me, and they said, hey, we want to host you. And I'm like, how did you find out about me? They found out about me from a – group that I belong to, one of their members was talking to one of, the, one of their members and asked if they knew any authors that were of color, because it's a group of color, and right. they said, well, I know this person, I know Brian Thompson, he's written this, then they contacted me, and so on and so forth. So I think with marketing, <laughs> there's, especially with really successful marketing, there you just have right. to keep trying at it to get something that works, and there's a degree of luck to it. Absolutely, absolutely, and of course, um, delving into uh, the, the the science fiction teen series, um, one of the questions we had from a listener, um, his name is David, um, out of New York. He wants to know what made you gear um, your series toward teenage readers. Um, that's a really good question from David. Uh, what made me gear toward teenagers? I think. And I know this only because I've taught teenagers for a degree of time. They're the hardest group to get. Um, mm-hmm. If you can get yeah, teenagers to grab their attention, <laughs> then you've got it. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, you can get teenagers, you can get millennials, you can get older folks, you can get anybody. <laughs> They're a tough audience. 
Um, I think it, a lot of it has to do with the the time factor. Again, it's mm-hmm. I have a limited amount of time you have to get my attention. So a lot of my beta readers Absolutely. are teenagers or close to being teenage because I know if I lose their attention, I'm not writing this correctly, and I'm going to lose my readers. So they tell me, right. um, ironically, it was forgotten. I sent it to a beta reader, and they said, okay, this is boring. Literally those words. Like, where's the action? So I'm like, what, do you want me to blow something up on the first page? So I didn't blow something up on the first page. It's somewhere around two or three. I have um, Jason jump out of a window. So it, it's one of those things where you constantly have to, you know, get the ebb and flow of your, your reader's attention and kind of try to capture it. So I think for me, I always wanted to challenge and I always wanted to write a teen series. So um, I just took the opportunity and went with it. Absolutely. And Allison from Milwaukee, she um, states that, uh, she says, I've tried uh, my hand at creating science fiction, but I got frustrated because I just couldn't get, um, and it goes back to the time frame that you were talking about, um, trying to do um, time travel and and those things. And you mentioned, and she wants to know about the rules. Um, She said, because sometimes she felt like she wouldn't do it justice by putting out the stories that she has. So, how do you know if you're, like you mentioned, these rules that they have, how do you know if you're following by these rules? Because obviously, I mean, you have a huge, massive amount of people who do read sci-fi. And so they want right. when they want it done, they want it done correctly. So how do you go about doing that without disappointing uh, the readers and taking them into, uh, you know, one of those broken boundaries in the rules? Okay. Um, I'll set a great question. I'll tell her. What I normally tell people who ask me questions like that, it's I, I'll give you what I did that worked. And when it talks about when I talk about the rules of science fiction, it's more so if you can get your reader to fall in love with your characters, you could pretty much do what you mm-hmm. want. But right. um, for me, as I'm writing, time travel is hard because we think of time as a linear concept. We go from point A to point B. You are born. You travel however long it is that you're going to live and then you die. When you do time mm-hmm. travel, you start messing with that line. So now if you go back and you change something, how much of that change is going forward? I think if you can, if she can come up with a concept that makes sense, then her reader will follow along. For example, when I did the anarchist, I picked very different people at very different points in their lives. One was a teenager, one was an adult, it was a guy, um, one was a single mother, one was a teenage uh, girl who was going through some, some issues, and mm-hmm. they go back and they change something. But they once they changed something, they didn't go back to their original timeline because they couldn't. They just went forward living their lives after the thing that they changed. So I didn't go back and forth problem that you have is when you go back and forth with time time travel, you create a paradox, whether it's literal or it's a time travel paradox where something that you change doesn't jive with something that you didn't change. So um, if, you start, if you start going back and forth, you start losing your reader, and your reader gets confused, and they put the book down, which is not what you want. So uh, for her, I would say, as far as the rules are concerned, find something that I would say just go back and change something and go forward. 
which is what worked for me. Mm-hmm. But if she can find something that works for her in terms of, okay, they went back in time, they changed this, and now they went back to the original timeline, what has changed, not too much back and forth, then they won't have a problem losing the reader. But, again, if they have right. characters that are, engaged, are engaging, you pretty much do what you want and get away with it. Right. Absolutely. And, of course, when you guys are just tuning in, we are on with author Brian Thompson, and we are discussing uh, his sites. Fiction, uh, science fiction teen series uh, from the Reject High series. And so now we're at Champion Immortal. And uh, for this book, um, is this going to be the last book of the series? Is, is this it? I can, with confidence, tell you Jason Champion's hero journey ends with this novel. Oh, okay, 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 awesome. And so with this one, um, and I've asked authors this several times, when creating a series, um, you know, you always have to, uh, I feel like, I always wonder is there more pressure to create the, you know, to make the next one even better than the first one. And so now we're, you know, seven novels in, and so with this one, Champion Immortal, um, what, what did you have to do uh, different uh, to bring this book to light in the way that you wanted to do that you may haven't did in previous um, other series? I have um, an answer for that. Let me see. <laughs> okay, so down down in my office, and I'm looking at the map of the series. And when I talk about the map mm-hmm. of the series, for me, this is how it worked. I took the uh, various stages of the hero journey, and I plotted them out using post-it notes. So I took the uh, main points of each chapter and put them on colored post-it notes that are color-coordinated for the steps in the journey that Jason has throughout the series. So I've got Reject High in front of me, Sophomore Freak in front of me, Forgotten in front of me, and um, Champion Immortal in front of me. So mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of just writing, writing it and going forward, what I had to do was I have three different sets of post-it notes that I have to reference back to because there's some threads that I left in each novel that I have to tie. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I started looking at, well, this is the end of Jason's journey. Now I have to deal with his parents, Ray and Deborah, and his little brother, Zachary. Now I have to deal with Rhapsody. Is it the end of her journey? Is it the beginning of a new one? I have to deal with Sasha. I have to deal with... Stabon, I have to deal with uh, all the other different minor characters that have traveled through this journey without them and either end their story or continue it. So that was something different because I wanted to mm-hmm. make sure that all the characters that I took, that I ended them in a satisfying way. And some characters make it and some characters don't. So I think their individual journey sort of dictated that, and I knew that when I created them. So it was just wrapping it up in a satisfying way. And I hope that Absolutely. I've done that for the readers. I really tried hard to do that. Absolutely. And for you, I wanted to know when creating these characters, has there ever been a character that once you created them and, and the story gets the role and that you you yourself really did not like, you know, that that character yourself? Was there any character that you really didn't like this character but you knew that he or she would be great for the story? Oh, you, okay. So you're meaning like a character I didn't like that I actually kept. Um, mm-hmm. Selby, 
Selby yeah. is a character I didn't like, and I needed not to <laughs> like him. But I know I really reached the point of I got this character right when I turned to my wife. She's my first beta reader, and I let her read it. And I listened to her reactions. And when she's reading anything that has to do with Selby, she was like, just die. Why don't you just die? I was like, okay, now I know I've got it. <laughs> but the, the complex thing with characters like that is mm-hmm. you have to – I had to keep in mind he was a human too. So he didn't right. turn out like to be this terrible human being by himself. He had different stimuli and different experiences that made him who he was. So I didn't totally mm-hmm. hate him. Um, so I would try to remind him, like, you know, he's doing this because this happened to him because uh, his parents were abusive. And that's not to say that his abusive parents are, you know, the lone thing that created what he becomes. But at the same time, I, I have to keep it in the back of my mind. I have to humanize them. You want to have a li- maybe a little bit of sympathy for somebody who is like a like a villainous figure, but at the same time, I have to I have to have the reader hate him because he needs to be hated for some of the things that he did. Mm-hmm. Well, and of course, uh, with this book. Um, champion Immortal. Uh, tell the readers without giving away too much uh, what they're going to be in store for when they read this one. Okay. Well, if they didn't start with Reject High, which, by the way, happens to be free on Amazon today for download, um, they start with Reject High and don't have an idea of what Jason Champion has been through. He starts off as a 15-year-old and at the end of Champion Immoral, he's 18 years old. He's about to be 18 years old. And the thing about the magical, not really magical, but the crystal that gives him his power is radioactive. At the mm-hmm. time he turns 18, there's a protein in his blood that his body stops making. And the protein in his blood mm-hmm. makes him and about 700 people on the planet able to process the radiation into his powers. So he has to make a decision to take the crystal off before he turns 18 and be a normal human being, or he has to keep it on and keep it on for life because if he takes it off after he turns 18, then he'll die of bone cancer. So that's the end. That's really the end of his journey. He has to decide which side of the fence he wants, wants to be on. And in that he's in some circumstances that every superhero, whatever the age and whatever, um, whatever abilities they have, they have to face. And it's that when you have an enemy that's so deadly that they cannot be contained, what do you do? Do you let them live and let them continue doing what they're doing, or do you take their life? And it's some, that's a choice that he has to make throughout the novel. Right. And I want to ask you, having a character that ages throughout the series uh, is it a little more pressure to make sure that you keep up with their age as far as things that they would do? So obviously things from when he was 14 are going to be a lot different than when, you know, he turns 16 or 18 and thus far. So do you kind of have to keep up kind of with the feelings and emotions that one would experience, you know, in those different age brackets? I think so. I think that adds realism to it because, the thoughts mm-hmm. of a 14-year-old boy and the thoughts of an 18-year-old boy are very different. Um, it's right. one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I added in Reject High and I noticed wasn't in The Lightning Thief. Again, I think it's a great series, 
But I did have questions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because Percy Jackson starts as a young boy and he progresses to an older boy. And in the midst of that, he does have a romantic relationship, but he never has, like, and I guess it would have to do with the genre, but he never has certain feelings towards young ladies. Like, he'll kiss them, but he never has any desire beyond that. And I'm like, that's not typical of a boy this age. <laughs> so those are some things that I added in there. Uh, there's nothing salacious, but it's Jason matures, I'll say, throughout the throughout the course of Reject High all the way to Champion Immortals. So you see that growth in him, whereas he's not thinking about certain things when at 15, mm-hmm. he's starting to think about those things as he gets closer to 17 and 18. Um, so, yeah, there is a pressure uh, to to maintain current. And, again, that's why I uh, I have beta readers who are far younger than me just to make sure that I don't put anything in there that they say, hey, he wouldn't do this. Absolutely. And for you, um, throughout creating this series, uh, what what is the most challenging part um, about writing a science fiction um, series, but also um, making sure that um, you're giving the readers what they want from the beginning to the end. Because like you said, oftentimes if we read that first book, and it's great, we want the next and the next and the next next just to be just as great. And so what are some of the challenges of creating a whole series, especially when it comes to science fiction? I think for me it's bringing in characters that are not there just to be characters. And I I say that by – what I mean by that is I can put a character here just to serve a purpose, but it's somebody who would be there normally. So I would say that's part of it and making them engaging. But on top of that, and let's go back to the sci-fi and the rules, I think – I misspoke when I was talking earlier about, I think it was Alice's question about the rules of science fiction. It's not necessarily that there's a written code of rules. Um, What I mean is you make up things that your characters can do based on the world that you created and you don't change them. That's what I mean by the rules. So, for example, the rule that um, 700 people on the planet have this protein in their blood that can process the radiation, but it starts it wanes after 18. I have to stick to that rule. Mm-hmm. So if I have somebody who's right. 21 and puts on the crystal, they may have powers, but they're going to die of cancer. I need to stick to that rule. It's got to be consistent because if this person is walking around with a crystal and they're 21 and nothing happens to them, you're like, well, wait, back here you said this, which is part of the continuity issue with time travel, which is what I was worrying about. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's really the main those are really the main challenges for me is making sure that they're engaging characters that you can grasp onto them and they're real. They're not just like pieces of cardboard walking around with emotions, but these are real tangible people that you can imagine walking around and doing the things that they're doing. And on top of that, if you're creating sci fi that you've created a world or a set of rules that your characters live by and that they stay that way uh, consistently because, you know, when you start with novel one and on to novel four, you're talking roughly about a thousand pages and that's a lot to keep going on in your brain, which is why I write a lot of things Mm -hmm. out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, 
um, for the listeners out here, tell them where they can actually go to purchase um, all of the series and as well as uh, Champion Immortal. Okay, thank you. Uh, all of the all of the uh, paperbacks and the uh, Kindle versions are on Amazon.com. Um, some of the series is on um, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, Scribd, uh, Twenty Four Symbols. Those those platforms, but uh, you can get the entire series on Amazon.com, paperback or um, ebook. Okay, awesome. And so, of course, we are let's see, five months into 2017. So, tell us what's in store next for Brian Thompson. Well, currently, I'm working on my eighth novel. It's going a little slower. Me and the missus had had, had another baby, so we have a five month Yes. <laughs> the fun time. When I started Reed High, I had two children. I had a four-year-old and a month-old. Uh, wow. She was about to be born. She was about to be born. So I started Reed High. I had a four-year-old, and um, Reed High came out in May. She was born in August. So that was wow. book one. And now we're at book four. Mm-hmm. And I have a nine-year-old, a four-year-old, and a five-month-old. <laughs> so it's a, it's a lot more difficult to write a novel when you yeah. have three children versus yeah. one. And, and, and um, So I'm doing that and continuing to market Reject High series. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Well, I'm, I'm always, uh, it's always great to, to get the inbox for you to come on and to read the stories. Um, because it definitely um, has de- definitely helped me open my range of uh, when it comes to science fiction, and I think that's what more people need. I think sometimes we don't um, subject our thing- ourselves to things because it's that, you know, which is unfamiliar, you know, that we haven't experienced or read before, and so we're kind of skeptical about delving into it. But I'm definitely uh, telling you guys to definitely give it a chance. Um, start from the uh, beginning of the series and catch up um, so that you guys can be on board for the uh, Reject High series and all those great things. And let's see here. Um Yes. Um, Michelle from Atlanta wants to know, um, have you ever thought about creating, um, taking these series and actually creating a movie, science fiction movie? She must be talking to my father. <laughs> my father said, why don't you get together and write a, uh, write a screenplay and get a movie? My dad, science fiction. So we're talking about a high concept novel here. So, you know, can't. It's not one of those things you could just go out there and make. Um, you know, Chronicle was made for a fairly low amount of money, but you're still talking about you know a couple million dollars. So, yeah. so you know, yeah. just get people out and act it out on like it's sci-fi. It doesn't really work that way. So the answer is yes. I have thought about it. Um, I don't know how to write screenplays. That, that's okay. the honest truth. I don't know how to write them. Um, it's it's a different world and. I tell some of my students that they they think in, think like a movie, but uh, Reading High is about 250 pages, and each page is worth a minute of film. So you can't have a 250 wow. minute film. You got to cut some out. So I don't wow. really quite navigate <laughs> that yet. But yes, it's on the it's on the agenda. We're gonna write a screenplay and you know see what happens. So thanks nice. for your question. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. 
<laughs> he, he's he's just putting it out there in, in the universe uh, for yeah, you to, to to get the ball <laughs> to get the ball rolling in thus far. And of course, uh, for the folks out here who may want to connect with you as far as social media, website, all of those great things, I'm tell them how they can go about connecting with you. That's great. I love connecting with uh, you know people who have questions. Um, just like all the folks tonight, um, author Brian T on Twitter and Instagram, and um, I have my author Brian Thompson page on Facebook, and they can email me at brian at authorbrianthompson dot com or go to my website authorbrianthompson dot com. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And uh, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I thank you for always uh, reaching out and and being consistent uh, over the years now uh, with the show and always bringing us uh, something great and interesting and as well as different uh, to the show. I I definitely love that aspect of it. And I'm looking forward to that that eighth, uh, eighth book, but I know all too well, you know, balancing the kiddos can be can be a task at hand, so we'll definitely uh, be on the lookout for that next book as well. And so for the folks out who um, want to delve into writing uh, when it comes to science fiction and getting into um, this genre, uh, what would be your words of advice to them? Words of advice to folks who want to write science fiction, uh, the first thing would be is to actually write it. I say that because there are people who always say to me, you know, I have a book in me, and it's, I won't lie, it's really difficult to do the first time. Once you do it, and I've never yeah. ran a marathon, but I picture this is what it's like. Once you get done, you know you can do it. Right. I would also say right. be a student of the, the craft. So um, okay. by that I mean read science fiction. Read what it is that you want to write. Uh, emulate it. Don't copy it, but emulate it. Um, you know, get a style um, get a good editor, go from there. That's what I would say. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great uh, words of advice. And uh, once again, uh, thank you so much for coming on here and uh, enlightening us um, with all of the information that you shared thus far. And I hope you'll come back again and visit with us again soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it every time we, uh, you know, get together and talk. Absolutely. My pleasure. And uh, you guys, make sure you go and check out uh, the Reject High series and the latest one, Champion uh, Immortal, as well, you guys, available on on uh, Kindle and paperback, you guys. So uh, you can get it, get it either way uh, you like it. So once again, Brian, thank you so much for coming on here, and I hope you have a great rest of your evening. Thank you, Bianca. You too. Thanks for having me again. No problem. Bye-bye. All right, you guys. That was Arthur Brian Thompson. Um, Make sure you guys go and support him. I'm telling you, you're going to be pleasantly surprised uh, when you read these uh, books as well. I mean, adults and teens. So if you have teens who uh, you're trying to get them away from the cell phones and the tablets and iPads, all those great things, um, and get them into reading, these are some great series at hand um, to read as well, you guys. I actually have uh, my about-to-be-16-year-old nephew uh, reading 
um, some of the series as well, and he has enjoyed it thus far. So uh, you guys make sure uh, that you're getting out here and you're showing love uh, to our science fiction authors out here, um, broadening our perspective, uh, which I love, you guys. And so we're going to take a break, you guys, but we're going to come back, and I'm going to tell you who's going to be up on the show this week, and uh, we'll be right back with more right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show. The Beautiful Butterfly Show would like to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram. That's at Instagram.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. Also on Facebook.com forward slash The Beautiful Butterfly Show. And last but certainly not least, you can also catch up with us on Twitter. That's at Twitter.com forward slash the Beautiful Butterfly Show. And thank you once again for tuning in on behalf of the Vibration Radio Network. And welcome back, everyone, to the Beautiful Butterfly Show. I'm your host, Bianca Fly. And coming up this Thursday, you guys, we got author Linda Watley, you guys, and she's coming on, and we're going to be talking about her latest book entitled Charge of an Angel. Uh, This is from her Love and Redemption series. Uh, So make sure you guys tune in. It's going to be a great show. Come and support uh, this author and what she does and what she's going to be bringing to the show, you guys. So uh, make sure you check us out this Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right here on the Beautiful Butterfly Show, brought to you by YRN 1328. Make sure you guys go by and like the page on Facebook. That's YRN. 1328, go by and like the page, support the page so you can keep up with not what's only going on in the Beautiful Butterfly Show, but what's going on with uh, different individuals, a part of the network as well, you guys. And hop on over there to the Beautiful Butterfly uh, Show page as well and show us some love. And uh, if you're interested in being a guest, feel free to shoot us an email at thebflyshow at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on the show. So with that said, you guys, we're going to get ready to get out of here. Uh, You guys have a fantastic evening, and we'll see you next time. 